This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by the Racy Anderson Highway. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and it is a great day to be saving energy, whether you're in Atlanta or Portland or Seattle or anywhere else. I'm Tim Eccles. I'm your host of Energy Matters, my co-host, John Newell. John, how's it going? Mighty fine, sir. We've got a guest today, Amelia Godfrey, oh, in here this. from yeah. one of your favorite organizations, South, South Face, Face yes, uh, one sir. of our fine nonprofits. Amelia, welcome to the studio. Hi. you got a bunch mm-hmm. of folks working down there at South Face. It's a big organization. Yeah, it's about 50 people. 50, yeah. I mean, 50 people. So this is, the, for those of the no energy, this is the Aspen Institute of, of Thought and Energy in the Southeast. Yeah, in segment two, we're going to hear uh, more about South Face and some of the cool things that you've that that you guys are involved in. I know I work with various folks there on different projects and they're always at the commission, always trying to serve folks in Georgia and really beyond. Amelia, you went to Guilford College up in Greensboro. I did. Yeah, it's a little small mm. Quaker school. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And double major. Tell us about being a uh, a poli sci major along with environmental studies. How, how was that? What did you focus on? It was a mandatory double major, so not to toot my horn too much with the double major part, but we focused on environmental policies, studies towards sort of the end of my college career, but I did a lot of studying of the American political system, which, mm. was, which was fun, and then yeah. looking at sort of how the environment ties into public policy or doesn't or or doesn't, doesn't yeah or how just yeah. more the relationship right yeah john you think about the differences between north carolina where she went to school in georgia we elect our commissioners north carolina the governor appoints mm-hmm. north Tennessee, carolina yeah. has a renewable portfolio standard uh mm-hmm. georgia does not uh what are some other differences between north carolina and georgia that that automatically come to your mind uh well uh, the governor's structure i think that renewable portfolio standard was <clears throat> enacted under the democratic legislature and, and governor but then the republicans came in and started whacking at it so i think there are there are talk to your part about uh, uh about governance uh there are differences uh ideological differences that sometimes come into play it's not every day you get a, a progressive uh thinking person such as tim eccles on energy um uh but but in north carolina they had it for a while and that's still sticking around you were involved with some food bank-like organizations. I know you volunteered with Habitat. So you're very involved with your community. Tell me about some of the things you've done in the community that's really been meaningful to you. After I moved back to Atlanta, so I'm from Atlanta, and when I moved home after college and being involved in a lot of social groups and, and community-based groups in college, I got involved with Atlanta Habitat. So they are a great group if you wow. want to learn about huh ways to have an impact on the larger community or if you just want to have an impact on on a family mm-hmm. but i how many houses do they build in a year in atlanta 40 plus 40 houses so a they're year. due and they've expanded so now they build new houses and they do rehabs as well now That's so great. their their focus is now on building communities it's and very, are they building them to earthcraft standards and the sort of environmentally friendly and energy efficient standards that you and folks at south face are known for they are 
they have a strong commitment to providing quality housing to their residents. Mm -hmm. So I work with them to help make sure that they are meeting the current energy codes to their mm -hmm. best ability and then kind of helping them think about ways that they could improve in the coming years. So that's been So you mentioned energy codes. I've heard tell <laughs> that things are fixing to change. Tell us about that. Yeah, so our current energy code, is, for those of you that might not be as familiar with, we're on the 2009 energy code. 2009, let's see, now it's 2019. So it was approved in 2009, right, by by a group of builders, by a, an agency? Or by the state. So it was by adopted the state by the state of Georgia mm -hmm. in 2000. So we were on the 2009 energy code and have been for, for a while now, and that code actually made some really nice advancements in energy efficiency. And when I was in the legislature in the early 2000s, we weren't even there. I mean, we weren't even, I, I think we were in the 90s code. And I remember I introduced a bill on lead construction at that time for state buildings. Buildings were going to have 100 years and was trying just to make them more energy efficient, knowing, well, we're going to pay these utilities forever, so why not insulate it better? Why not put more efficient air conditioners? I got fought tooth and nail by the by the building lobby and the chamber of commerce and everybody didn't want to spend money i was like what is this i don't even make any sense so i'm so happy to hear things are changing better down there yeah so the 2009 energy code had really good enforcement on air tightness testing mm. which was which was really nice because it allows us to actually quantify how well people have the kind of work that our friend shane matheson here with energy conservation solutions is doing in studio thank you for joining us shane yes yes so we've done a whole lot of really good work since the 2009 code was passed and so now oh. we've just adopted the 2015 code with some georgia amendments but that's going to push us an even better direction towards air tightness and your air conditioning ductwork and, and yeah, tightness who, who, who are going to who are going to be the big winners uh in terms of contractors when it comes to the new code is it going to be a windows is it going to be a lighting is it going to be insulation please say lighting, please uh, say lighting please who say do you see as the big winners for this I see the big winners as being companies kind of like energy conservation solutions hmm. so companies that are really pushing to make insulation and air sealing the best that it can be because what people need to be aware of is that they're paying for really quality installations mm -hmm. and so they should be making sure that that's what they're and getting. And testing actually helps do that. Yes. Well Shane you, you're doing the testing tell us about that. I mean having a third party in to oversee your builder is really advantageous to the to the home buyer. Uh, it ensures that you're going to have a comfortable home a home that doesn't have ludicrously high power and gas usage bills. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm a strong believer in the, the code. Uh, I thought it was 2011 when that passed. Is that right? It's when it went into effect. Went into effect, So there's yeah. always a, a lag period where we have to train uh, people. Right, I mean, and you're doing some of the training at South Face. Yes. So if you're a builder or you're a developer, South Face will do it, and y'all are the best in the business. We like to think we are. Yeah, they're you are. They're the, the they're the mothership of yeah. energy efficiency. Ooh. Yeah, just FYI. Or as Tim and I would say, the mother church. <laughs> yeah, Shane, I, just in general, never argue with a person that has a double major in anything, right? <laughs> you know, over, over, over math. Uh, so uh, great, great to have both uh, Shane and Amelia in the studio. We're talking energy codes and how that's going to impact buildings in the future, how it's going to impact possible job prospects in the future. When you think about Shane starting out, you know, in, as an English major and then going into banking and then moving into energy efficiency, 
Amelia, I think, you know, back as you were in college in North Carolina, I mean, you began studying public policy, public, you know, political science, uh, but you did some other things there too, uh, right? You were involved with uh, working on the campus for a little while, and then you made your way, uh, you made your way back. What really, what really drove you to working for a nonprofit like South Face as opposed to staying in the for-profit sector? So one of the things that my college really encouraged us to think about was empathy for others and how we can have the work that we do can have an impact on the greater community. And so I, when I got out of college, I had this you know, liberal arts double major degree that was a, a diverse enough degree to where I could have kind of gone into anything. Hmm. But I wanted to make sure that what I ultimately pursued had a positive impact on on people's lives. And mm. so that's what kind of drove me towards South Face ultimately and the programs that I have worked on at South Face. So you were at a Quaker school. I was. And maybe our listeners don't know that much about Quakers, but uh, I looked at your college website and, and the mission you know that they had, including community, diversity, equality, excellence, integrity, justice, and stewardship. John, you and I talk frequently about our faith and how our faith has informed us, me as a Southern Baptist, you as a Presbyterian, and faith can really have a nexus and an impact over our view of how people are cared for, right? And, and you know, I put on my, I put on my faith hat. Uh, I mean, I have, a you know, obviously a political hat that I wear, uh, you know, as a commissioner and, and as a Republican, but I have a faith hat that I wear too, and that faith hat is really important to me, and it it impacts the way that that I view life, and the way that I that I you know hold my money, and how I give it. And are are you the same way? Was uh, was growing up at a at a Quaker school? How how has that impacted you as an adult? So I don't come from a Quaker background. I was attracted to a school like Guilford because of its really strong commitment to community building. Mm. So for kind of coming of age to a certain extent in that type of environment where it was a lot of it was about academic pursuits, but then there was also this component of how can we better serve our community Mm -hmm. was something that was really nice because we were able to kind of direct our activities in in a variety of ways because you could pursue almost any interest and have a way to have that that interaction so with, Gipple, with other people. So Georgia Interfaith Power and Light kind of does this on a religious basis uh, to encourage energy efficiency at churches and synagogues and other religious institutions around the state. So that's 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 good. And you're you were looking at it more from a community standpoint. I like it. John, as we wrap up the segment, I you know, I think about the importance faith has played in in my life and how even as an energy regulator, stewardship and, you know, caring for God's creation is important to me. You know, uh, it doesn't mean I'm a liberal person or that I, you know, believe in some radical agenda. I'm, you know, very conservative. Obviously, I'm pro-life. I have seven children and these things are important to me. But I do believe that God created the world and that he expects us, you know, to care for the planet. Yep. Well, hang around. We're going to continue to talk about Uh, energy with Amelia and talk about South Face and all that they're doing for our state. I'm Tim Eccles.
The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you can attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Row. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Our host, Tim Eccles. I'm John Noel. And uh, in studio, we have Amelia Godfrey with South Face Energy Institute and Shane Madison, who's uh, with Energy Conservation Solutions, a residential uh, energy conservation company. The support for Energy Matters comes from the Ray, an 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 running from LaGrange to the Alabama line. The Ray is an, an independent nonprofit that seeks to catalyze the interstate corridor and its exits into a global model for regenerative transportation. Executive Director Allie Kelly believes that roads can be safe, sustainable, and regenerative. See more at the Ray and how they're making this part of the interstate into a living laboratory, and living it is, solar and all kinds of innovative things. You want to drive on solar pavement, the Ray will do it. So, uh, yeah, I see heads nodding because everybody's been down that section. It's really cool. And on the subject of cool, uh, we're talking about energy improvements that can be made to your home, to our residences, and in the last segment, we're talking about uh, the new energy code that's coming down the pike. And if you're a builder, maybe like a freight train, because it's something that's going to be new and innovative. What are some of the big changes that are going to be helpful to us as consumers buying houses that people that are building them are going to have to do that makes our energy costs lower? So one of the big things is we're getting tighter on our air leakage. Which is kind of a, which is fancy geeky speak for what? For I won't be cold in the living room because it won't leak through the window. That's that's part of the goal, yes. Uh-huh. So yeah, fancy geek language. We're getting tighter for our air leakage requirements. Okay. So if you think of air leakage being how we build our our homes right. to keep conditioned air inside and unconditioned air outside, right? We're making them tighter. Now. So, what's our what's the average house right now in terms of tightness? So, the current code requires air tightness to be what we call seven. So, the the quantity is seven, and then the metric is air changes per hour. And Shane, what do y'all see? That's the code. Um, on average, if, if we're auditing an older home, yep. uh, they're going to be about twice that of what the Whoa. current building code is, really? and then sometimes three times as leaky. Twice to three times what Th- the code that's, was. That's is. correct, and when you're looking at uh, energy conservation measures, air sealing is probably the fastest return on investment next to lighting. Um, so wow. if you think about it, like if you had a balloon of water and there's holes in it, you think of it almost in that context. Uh, so the tighter probably. your home is, uh, the easier it is to heat and cool. Now there is a an exception where when homes get too tight, where that's when you have to bring in an ERV and you bring additional air in. 
So what's the new code taking us to? So now we're going to five. Five. So from point seven or to point from, five. From seven to five. Seven to five. Sorry. <laughs> and you're seeing houses, just average house you're doing. You're seeing it as two to three times what the yeah point, you what never the see seven a, was. You never see a home at five. It's it's going to really put a lot of uh, responsibility on the builder. Wow. To, to get it that tight. That's and then where you're the probably have to bring in out. some extra air. Yeah. So just to make sure we clarify, new construction yes. is hitting seven. So we right. did a study, South Face did a study on new construction homes in the state and found that we're at about an average of five already. Ooh. For new construction. Shane's right. Existing homes that were built prior to 2009 yeah. are terrible. Up 10 and more. So, and what wow. that number means just wow. for context is that we have this big fancy fan that we set up. And if you want to post a picture of it, it's cool. It's a, it, we call it a blower door. And okay. we use that fan to suck all the air out of the house so that we can measure how leaky so the I house is. So I had this done in my house the other day. And if you folks, if you can imagine the doors open and there's a big red plastic curtain over the door and it's basically sealed and stuck to the door and there's a big fan at the bottom and it's connected to a big fancy computer and it starts to suck the air out of the house yes can i jump in just to make it so it makes more sense change match what that does when you suck air out of the house it it creates a negative pressure the effect of that is to exacerbate the problem areas so air from outside comes in through all the leak areas in the home building envelope to fill that negative pressure and we use an infrared camera so we can see where the airflow is coming and going Ah, Makes sense. Okay. So yeah. if you've got a door with that's settled and it's the weather stripping is worn off, we'll see that cold air coming in in this time of the year coming in from around the door, or in the summer, same thing. Except it'll be hot air coming in from around the door. Same thing with plumbing penetrations, uh, wall penetrations such as electrical outlets. Any like we little spoke about spots earlier. pop up when you start to do that. That's correct. Ch- chases that lead to the attic. Uh, fireplace flues that don't work, um, attic doors are right. a big source of energy loss. So, you know, you get radiant heat transfer through the door as well as from around the door. So, so you're the so your your company tests for it and fixes it. She is the one who has the building science that kind of comes up with the south face and what you're doing, Amelia. Yes. So we are trying to make sure that the standards are are reasonable. Right. So. Seven has always traditionally been the target of both energy efficiency and also what was considered reasonable. Mm. And then when we looked at the new code, we we wanted to make sure that what we pushed the new code to was also reasonable. reasonable. So five is the the average that the state does now. So mm. that should be reasonable for That's for really, new homes. So John, we started the show out yeah. talking about talking about environmental science and political science, uh, her her majors at her school. Yep. But here's a here's a perfect example of where they intersect, right? We've got we've got public policy shaped by political leaders, appointed leaders, and she's had training uh, obviously in that to understand the system and how it works. Uh, but also the, with, with the environmental science and learning the best practices mm. and what these numbers mean, the difference between a five and a seven and why it should be this and not that. All of that has to be explained to political leaders. So if I'm, you know, if I'm a decision maker and I'm trying to decide about, you know, whatever, you know, regarding energy policy, you have to convince me, right? Somebody's got to explain it to you. Yeah, and so you, you need facts, you need data, you need studies that 
that you can then dive into and and further understand, okay, how has this been tested? Is it actually accurate the way that they're saying it? Because ultimately somebody's going to have the final say on this, and then that's going to impact uh, all the builders and uh, all the code enforcers and, and all the realtors. It has enormous ramifications, right, Shane? I, I just wanted – yes, absolutely. One thing – builders don't like the energy testing necessarily because it does add extra cost, like a couple hundred bucks per house extra. But let me speak to that. About a third of the tests we run, and we do seven to 10 of these tests a week on average, uh, about a third of them fail. And we wind up- A third fail. Oh, absolutely. So we wind up finding things like Fireplaces with no flues or with non-operational flues. A buyer we would find, never know that. Nobody we, buying that's correct. To know that. yeah. We find sometimes uh, where we can't get a pressure reading on a duct system. Well, it turns out the drywall guy went over. They never they never actually installed the duct boot, and so you've got a, a duct that's just feeding as uh, the air. ducts are coming off the air conditioner. And they yeah, take they're the just air feeding air into unconditioned want. space. Yeah. So in other words, even a good builder isn't going to be on site all the time. When their subcontractors are installing ductwork, and then for once instance, the walls in, you don't know it's the, yeah. That's this right. Is, hey, so this this kind of thing, having a third party verifier has value. This Bingo. kind of thing happens. I remember we built a house back in the nineties, back when Wendy and I had lots of small children, and we built a big farmhouse, and we built a, a bathroom out on the, the porch uh, for guests to be able to Old use school. or whatever, yep. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, we were homeschooling. Uh, yeah. No, um, and <laughs> old school homeschool. Yeah, uh, better than an outhouse. Well, we actually the builder, the story. builder did not hook up the plumbing, and as you as the shower drained and as the water drained, the toilet was hooked up, but everything else was spilling out onto the ground. Uh, it wasn't even going into the piping system. Wow. So t- to to the point of our in studio guest today. You know, you need standards, you need people going behind it, checking it, inspecting it. And, you know, frankly, you, our listening audience, as a buyer, as a consumer of real estate, as a renter, you have certain expectations and you want things to be right. And that's why, you know, that's why regulation is important. We don't want to overregulate things. We don't. Oh, Lord, no. Don't start talking to Republicans about overregulation. Yeah, we don't want to overregulate, but we do want. Woo. To make sure that that things are as promised, right? And so this building code and this change coming up is going to have an impact because it's going to save people money eventually. Yeah. Uh, maybe not initially, but it will eventually save them money. Will it give them more confidence in being able to buy or rent? So it it honestly should save people money from That's the right. day they move in. Because if you buy an efficient house with that has efficient systems, then... You know, your monthly payments are more than just your mortgage. This was the objection that the builders gave me in the early 2000s when I was trying to change the building code. And they said, well, it's going to cost a, it's gonna cost another $2,000 every house. And I was like, it's going to save $200 a month or, or $50 a month or $30 a month. Amortize that over a 50-year life of a house. It's a winner. But you can buy a Lamborghini with that. I mean, whatever. It just, I could not understand it. So thankfully, these things are changing, and we're making these progress. And South Face is the great leader that's doing this, and you, Amelia, are part of the solution there. So thank you. Yeah. So you know, we're trying to help people have lower monthly utility bills right. because that puts your more money in your pocket to right. spend on your children or spend give the on, church. 
yes, your right. community or on your education. And then right. also there is a certain amount of consumer protection and consumer confidence in this. People right. should be – they should get you know a quality should home. get what you pay for. Yeah. Now, speaking of money, John, who, who's our sponsor for this half hour? And let's give them a little shout out and uh, we'll continue talking about South Face so, in our next yeah, segment. Yeah, I mean this is – this is, our sponsor is a wonderful uh, entity called the Ray down in uh, the 18-mile stretch. They're, they're, a, they're this wonderful area uh, now near LaGrange and in the Alabama line that is – really changing the way our transportation infrastructure uh we look at transportation yeah i've been down to the ray and and uh obviously at the commission we approved the right-of-way solar that they're putting at exit 14 so that was an important project to me and i look forward uh to seeing that generate power for a little computer down there you can pull in it'll tell you your tire pressure without you even getting out of the car it's a cool thing well when we come back Uh, Let's talk more about South Face and some of the projects that South Face has been involved with. Let's understand a a little bit more about the value of these nonprofits and what they do. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden & Gregory. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm John Noel, our host, Tim Eccles, and we're joined in studio by Amelia Godfrey with the South Face Energy Institute and Shane Madison with Energy Conservation Solutions, talking about how to save money and do innovative and fun things. South Face is really at the leader of that. And talking about innovative, fun things, and being a leader, this Energy Matters show is brought to you by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG's transaction, litigation, regulatory, privacy counselors serve clients in healthcare, real estate, litigation, business transactions, fintech, just about anything you can think of including government investigations, watch out for that, and logistics and transportation. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters. Tim, a lot to cover today. I know. know, While we're talking about uh, AGG, just a shout-out to Ellis Arnold, who was a founding member of the law firm, former governor governor. of Georgia, uh, from that Noonan area. Uh, Didn't know that. You know, John, you and I talk about politics a lot. You're a Democrat. I'm a Republican. But sure I think enough. we both agree that Ellis Arnold, who was a Democrat, Back did a, did a great days. thing by taking the Public Service Commission and the Labor Commissioner and the Insurance Commissioner and those those jobs and making them constitutional offices 
where they couldn't be fired willy-nilly by a right. governor who happened to be angry. Rare. Uh, and Very so rare. that that was a real paradigm change in our state by mm-hmm. uh, constitutionalizing those offices. There's only six or seven in the country, the public service commissions in the country, or that are uh, that are independent. As yeah, you uh, are, and actually, uh, eleven are 11. elected, right. uh, and uh, and the balance of states just have wow. the governor appoint. So the governor can fire in Florida, in North Carolina. Wow. Uh, so it is great to be in a state like this and. Ellis Arnold certainly was a renegade in that regard. And uh, if you're a history major or you're interested in Georgia politics, I definitely commend that period of time to you and to talk about and learn about that. He followed Talmadge, and uh, it was certainly uh, certainly a game changer. The Ellis Arnold of energy is going to be Dennis Creech when uh, <laughs> when they. This was the founder of South Face, uh, Amelia's uh, entity here that we're speaking of. I mean, you know, living people. It's hard to 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 hold them up on a pedestal, but there's a lot of people that would say we need to make it uh, a gosh darn uh, statue of Dennis Creech for helping start South Face, for leading it so competently for so long, and building it up to it. Did you say a 50-person entity? I'm a 40, 50 people? Yeah. For a nonprofit? That's you know, it, one of my masters at UGA was a nonprofit. I built a, a national nonprofit that works with high school kids, and it is difficult to maintain and manage a nonprofit organization because you've always got the fundraising piece. And it's a challenge. And to get a staff of 50, I mean, that is, uh, that's enormous. Uh, and, uh, you know, in our Athens listening area, there are many nonprofits and people that are involved with charities, and they know just how difficult it is. So kudos to South Face. How has South Face grown through the years? What are some of the things that you're doing now that maybe, you know, Dennis never never thought about doing, uh, that, that the organization's just evolved and uh, and really taking on some some things that needed to be done, but at the time of founding, it, it just wasn't an issue. So when South Face first started, it was the, the focus of the organization was on solar technology and solar mm. education. And now that is just a mere fraction of what we building do. Building science. And, so, yeah, we've mm-hmm. evolved into, you know, building science is, is makes up, the core of what I do every day. And this and is called Earthcraft by is, their name? Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the program that I work with is called Earthcraft, and it is a building certification program. And we set a lot of standards for how home builders and developers of multifamily or commercial buildings can produce high-performing, healthy structures. And do it right. And do it right. Exactly. Uh, and you and said so, healthy, and that's yes. important. So, you know... The numbers guys and the and, and, and the and the math people and the and the money people like my Republican friend Tim Eccles over here, um, you know, oh, well, it's just about some of his Republican buddies. It's about, oh, it's about the dollars, and then you know some of the liberals on my side, the Democrats, say, well, it's about the healthy and you know it's about the environment. So <laughs> oh it's goodness. really a marriage of the two, right? I mean, it that's is. the beauty of an Earthcraft constructed house. It makes money sense and it makes environmental sense. Yeah, and I guess. For me, the environmental sense is not just about, you know, being green and saving water and being environmentally friendly, but it's also about the built environment and how that impacts our well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more Mm -hmm. about that? I mean, are you talking about the actual uh, composition of the materials and what they're made of? Or feng shui. uh, Which one are you talking uh, about? take, Take us deeper into what you do with Earthcraft, uh, because I, I don't fully understand 
how all of this makes makes that much difference. So if you think about how the materials that a building are made up of, you've got wood and you've got carpet, you've got insulation, you have windows, and all of those materials are in some way man-made. And so everything that goes into them is going to have some kind of influence on the environmental properties of of where you are so glues and paints and stains and sealants and so we're thinking about we're building these structures and we want them to be energy efficient because Mm -hmm. that helps save us money but we also want them to be healthy because if you are uncomfortable you're not going to be very happy and if you're exposed to materials that are harmful to your health, then you're going to either you, either you are going to be unhealthy or your family. So that so new let, let, car let, smell and that new house smell is often volatile organic compounds that you guys are helping take out of glues and take out of paints. So, so, so yeah. let me ask you if this is if this is a, a similar example. So after Hurricane Katrina, I was here getting a master's at UGA. And our class in health journalism went down to New Orleans and toured the devastated area, met with the Tulane Health Clinic, met with the newspaper. But one of the things that we learned about was that formaldehyde was being used in the temporary trailers, John, that God, folks I heard that, that folks had. And that that as these heated up, now it might not have been a problem in Alaska, but as they heated up, it was a problem. Is that something similar? Formaldehyde is a known pollutant that we see in a lot of building materials. Mm-hmm. So our plywood, pro- like plywood, that. glues, OSB, or mm-hmm. b- wood, and so our program. We're looking at it from a variety of angles. There's how can we influence the materials that a building is made out of. There's also how can we put in systems that help modify the environment after it's been built. So things like fresh outdoor ventilation, where mm-hmm. we are bringing in outdoor air to dilute pollutants that we couldn't remove. Mm-hmm. And also systems either through design or other systems to control humidity, because this is a very humid climate zone. And mm-hmm. if we don't really pay attention to the indoor environment, you could have mold and uh, other moisture concerns that also have a negative So impact. let me ask you this. So, uh, Shane's in the studio, and we talked to him about this on a previous previous episode. But when I did my energy audit at my house, my air ceiling was at uh, 26% ACHN. And one of the, one of the concerns uh, that Jackson EMC had for my house was the fact that it may be too tight, that I may not be getting enough fresh air. I mean, how big a concern is fresh air in an indoor environment, and what are the negatives if you don't get it? So fresh air has every everything to do from health to productivity. So if you're ever in a really stuffy room that doesn't have good ventilation, you can just feel tired, and mm-hmm. sometimes people don't realize that it's a ventilation issue. So there is such a thing as being too tight. And so ventilation is meant to to basically bring in fresh or out, fresh outdoor air when people don't realize they need to open a window or when opening a window is not practical because a lot of times people are because the mosquitoes. There's mosquitoes, there's yeah. pollen, there's yeah. it's it's hot outside. And so yeah. 
we can't rely on people to just leave their windows and doors open like right. they used to. Like in the olden days, mm. in our so, farmhouse, we didn't even have So ventilation systems are intended to, to do that. And change? ACH, just so you know, Tim, it stands for air changes per hour. So that mm. means 0.26 of the air in your house switches out from the outside air per hour. 0.35 is considered optimal. Uh, tighter than that is where you start to bring in fresh air from outside. 95% of homes we test, or even more than that, are going to be a much higher than 0.35, not lower. So that's an anomaly, and that's because your home is only three years old as well. So, so since you're my energy doctor, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Uh, I can't afford to do the insulation and do this. So hmm. would you say that a poor man's way of handling this might be uh, in the morning, you know, maybe in the summer, or in the on a warmer day in the winter just to open my windows for a few minutes and get some fresh air in there can i do that is it, it is it going to accomplish the same what thing I do. you can't do idea? that it's just that in our climate it's usually either cold or hot so you're not going to usually want to do that so one thing i would say but in the summer morning uh, summer mornings are sure cool. sure you could certainly do that but maybe another thing to add to that is like earlier i was advocating for sealing up the ceiling penetrations Given your tight home, you probably don't want to do any air sealing without bringing in some fresh air f through an ERV that, that you can control. I mean, as opposed to just planning and opening the windows from a health standpoint. Would yes. you not agree, Amelia? Yeah. One of the things that we're thinking about is not just the 10 minutes in the morning that you happen to open your window, but looking at it from a 24-hour time period. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Yeah, so... Knowledge is power, John, so and, yeah. and, and being able to understand how all this works. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we do want to help you not only save money, but save your life and save your health. Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm learning all of this stuff, uh, and I hope you are too. So stick around. We're going to continue to talk with our guests uh, about South Face and the great things that they're doing to make our state a better place. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Hey, and we're back. You're uh, listening to Energy Matters, a show to help you save money, to use technology, and to live a more sustainable life. I'm your host, Tim Eccles, my co-host, state representative, energy expert, John Noel, in the studio with us, Amelia and Shane. We've been talking with them for about three segments here and having a great time learning about South Face and changing building code and making your home more efficient. And we're going to take some questions now, and I'm just going to go around our studio and have each of our guests to respond in this last segment. So here's the first question. I'm just graduating from college and wondering about being a good steward of my resources. 
how should I begin? So, John, we're talking about a, a newly minted college graduate that's probably not making a ton of money and they're wanting to be a good steward. What would you recommend? We're hiring. Uh, being in the business in this economy, it's hard to find good people. And I think if you're getting out of school and your motivation is toward um, energy efficiency or toward energy markets, going to companies that care about that stuff, Shane's Energy Conservation Solutions, Mine Energy and Environment, or nonprofit, South Face. These are all entities that need fresh, uh, smart people to do work. Uh, and uh, to help uh, to further uh, the planet and our energy efficiency uh, solutions in the world. And I, South Face is like it would be my very first draw. Amelia, what advice would you give to a fresh college student? I just want to put in a plug for trades. So a lot wow. of times people overlook the importance of air conditioning, HVAC contractors, yep. and insulation contractors from a building perspective. Those people are the front line for if we're looking at resource conservation in buildings and having that expertise, you can you can go a really long way with with getting into those fields. Mm-hmm. Shane, how about you? There's a lot of opportunity in energy management systems on the larger scale, also with buildings uh, for the technologically based uh, or inclined student. Um, and there's certainly a lot of opportunity. Uh, even on the residential side, like what, what I do as far as uh, whether you're doing HVAC or air sealing or insulation, there's certainly lots of opportunities there. And then, of course, with renewables, what's happening with wind in certain parts of the country is just exciting as can be. And solar uh, here. And solar as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities with energy. All right, second question. Um, my husband and I are wanting to buy our first home. What energy questions should we be looking for? And can I find out anything on a seller's disclosure that I've seen from our agent? And we're going to start with Amelia on this one. So if you're buying an existing home, then you should ask questions about the heating and cooling equipment, when it was installed and how old it is. And Ask either look at it yourself or ask your ask your inspector about what's going on in the attic and in the crawl spaces from an insulation. Does the home have a HERS rating, an H E R S rating? Because that tells you that's like the that is the industry standard across the world. I think it's in Europe too, across the world on home energy. What what's what's the scorecard for that for that home? A plus, B plus, C minus. Yeah, Shane, how about you? that, that's correct. The home energy rating system is is going to give you an objective uh, analysis as to whether that's an efficient home or not. Um, or have your own audit done, right? Or you have your own audit done yeah. on the home. And I don't think it's unreasonable to ask the seller, if it's an existing home, to provide their uh, last 12 months utility bills. Great. Good question. All right. Next question. Should I finance energy efficiency upgrades on my power bill? My EMC allows it. Ooh. And so, John, I know that Jackson EMC had said that I could finance the insulation on my energy audit for 3.5% Holy uh, on my bill. So yeah. that seemed like a pretty That's good less deal. Mortgage rate. Yeah, that yeah. seemed like a pretty good deal. So would you recommend it, John, financing I, I, it or just paying cash for it? Uh, in this economy, I kind of want to hold on to my cash and take uh, some of China's low-interest money. So, yeah, I would, I'd take a low-interest loan and, and, and hold on to that. And the other thing is there's a spread there, right? Because if that has a 10 15 20% return and you're only paying 3% for it, that's a good investment. Yeah. Uh, all right, Shane, what do, you, what do you think? Should you finance it or no? 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's a it's a great deal. I wish um, that would ha- that would be more prevalent with other uh, utilities because it's a it's a terrific deal Maybe and it talk to our it takes away the sure. the barrier to making these improvements for a lot of people is that yeah. they don't have the five six seven thousand dollars it takes to really make their home efficient. So they go on dealing with a uh, less comfortable, less healthy home and paying higher on utility bills because of the financial impediment. All Bingo. right, Amelia, what do you think? Finance it or wait? Oh, finance it. It's just like what Shane said. It's a great way to make sure that you're getting cost-effective measures because they usually won't approve things that don't make financial sense. And it is, like you both have said, a great way to provide financial capital up front, and then you get to experience the payback yes, as you live I in like the it. house. So as I was talking to you, I heard some subliminal message from somewhere in the studio uh, <laughs> tell, tell, telling me to influence Georgia Power to do more of this. So, John, you wish there were more Tim, uh, on-bill financing? Tim, look into my eyes, Tim. I'm yes, looking. I'm yes, looking. on-bill financing. <laughs> I'm getting dizzy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm serious. I think this is our opportunity to 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 – to speak to a larger audience of people. And what do you do with the bad debt part of it? Uh, you know, that's going to have to be built into the system. I mean, George Power already experiences bad debt. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not something they know. In fact, they probably know it uniquely. So uh, let them deal with that. So that's you'd be okay with doing this with folks that had a certain credit score or better? Um, I would actually say a certain payment history or better. Uh-huh. Don't put it to their credit score. That's not fair. There's a lot of communities that are disadvantaged by that. Uh-huh. If I paid a, I paid my utility bill on time for 20-plus years, yes. my credit score could be terrible. But my utility bill is on time. That ought to be the standard. Tim, doesn't, yeah. doesn't it carry on even if there was a foreclosure or uh, doesn't the extra cost still carry on to the bill to the next homeowner? It could. Well, it could if you do like uh, the pay-as-you-save program, which we're trying to do, where it's actually targeted towards the home. Uh, but in the case of the EMC financing at 3.5%, that's on my credit, on my bill, and that if I uh, if I don't pay that, they're coming after me personally, uh, right. regardless of where I where I live. And EMCs are smaller entities; they can uh, they're a little more nimble, I think, in being able to do this. And but not for profit. But I do have some hopes that if the pay-as-you-save program that we're going to do with Georgia Power goes well, that we can scale it up. Yeah. Uh, and we just want to do it in a way uh, that makes sense. Call your public service commissioner. That's right. All right. Uh, next question. Should I avoid renting an older house? Shane, I'm going to start with you on this. Should I avoid renting an older house? What can I do to find out what the utility bills might be? I wouldn't say avoid it. Uh, I love older homes, and a lot of people love older homes with a classic aesthetic, but just ask the right question. So if, if the seller is reticent to give you their utility bills, I'd say that'd be a red flag, right? So you can find out what their consumption's like. Um, it's a little harder to find out where the comfort problems are. A seller may not be so quick to disclose that. So that would be a concern. Maybe when you're looking at an older home, plan on budgeting some for improvements. I think that that's likely. Great mm-hmm. idea. Amelia, uh, you, you know, work in Atlanta, a uh, lot of older homes there. Do you, you know, you recommend folks uh, getting a uh, renting an older house or, or should they look for something else? No, the older homes are fantastic. And I, I'm biased. I own a 1920s home. So hmm. I've, I've also rented older homes. So yeah, you can always ask your your potential landlord about what the utility bills are, um, not just utility, but also water bills to get an idea about what your 
monthly payments would be and then calculate that into your rent so that you understand if that's within your budget or not. Bingo. Well, John, you you live uh, in a newer home, but your office is in an older home. What do you recommend? Do you do you, do you, do you recommend staying away from these older homes? I guess my old home is just so new that you, in your mind, you have my old 1930s home is brand new because, it, in some respects, it is. It isn't. You know, we have solar combined with batteries next to the electric car with super insulated, all kinds of things. So it it's an it's an old home. It's kind of like. It's kind of like what South Face would talk about, where you could retrofit, and what and what Shane at Energy Conservation Solutions does, retrofitting old stuff to make it new again and to make it more efficient, uh, and that's what I've that's what I've done, and 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 it's throwing off good and smart people who go, well, you got the most amazing house in Atlanta. I said, well, it's really a 1935 house. Yeah, so you just did what it took to get the thing up to bingo up to speed. Okay, next question. Uh, I want to get an EV. Do all homes allow chargers? to be installed. Uh, John, let me start with you. You've got uh, an EV. Uh, you've had, uh, I guess, three of them. I've had three of them. Uh, do all homes allow chargers to be installed? Can you put them in your garage? You certainly can. Uh, the new code, there's a new code that just passed in the city of Atlanta that requires uh, new buildings, new construction, to have electric uh, fed to the garage so that a level, a level two charger would be able to just be you just cut out the drywall, and there it is, right there, boom. So that electricity is available. Um, but for it's not hard. And electricians, you know, we run we run electrical for landscape lighting for everything all day long. It's not hard to bring it into your garage to add it or, or any other venue. In fact, even your apartment complexes. Amelia, you're in Atlanta. Uh, this person wants an EV. Do all homes allow chargers to be installed? Oh, yeah, anything's possible. So... What about if you don't have a garage or a carport uh, and you're parking on the street? How would you resolve that uh, if you live in Atlanta and you're parking on the street? Parking garage, then? uh... That's a little bit harder. There's also places that have chargers increasingly in them. So also, uh, I've seen apartment complexes now are adding them in. So if you're looking at apartments. Yeah, and that's an amenity that apartment complexes are starting to sell, and we sell them on it, you know. Uh, to do that, I also see people literally in low in low walking environments on sidewalks run extension cords from their porch over to their house and just plug in on a 120 volt. Wow! Well, this has been a fascinating episode. Thank you both, Shane and Amelia, for being here and for sharing your knowledge. Uh, best of luck, Amelia, with South Face as you continue to work uh, with this new building code and integrating it in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tim. And, John, we continue to learn on this show. Uh, You and I, even though we are uh, energy efficiency guys and we think about this all the time, there's always always something else to learn. Uh, And it's great to be able to share these – you know these things with our audience and help them to to save money on their and utility to throw a few bills. Political barbs at one another too, because yeah, that's, that's right. what we like to do. It's, it's all about having fun. Well, I'm Tim Eccles, and I hope you'll join us uh, each week as we talk about how to save money, how to use technology, and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. 
By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you 